Welcome to the podcast of Amago Day Community, where we're convicted to help bring the whole gospel to the whole person, to the whole world. Join us in this Sunday service as we look to the scriptures seeking to be transformed into the image of Christ. Good morning, Amago Day. It's good to be with you today. Um, we are, as I say every week, we're going through the Bible. And we are wrapping up Psalms today. And so if you have a Bible, you could turn to Psalm 23. Psalm 23 is, I mean, it is like the psalm that everybody's heard, whether you go to church or not. So it's a little daunting to try to teach it, because you've heard it a lot. It's kind of like me doing a Born to Run cover or something. See? I was, yeah, I was try, yeah, we got some, Bruce. We were testing to see if this crowd would really get the reference, but um, from the 845, the crowds get younger, and so I don't know what I'm going to say next service, but they don't show up till like 1245, 1.30, I'll be fine. Um, but this psalm is really not a funeral psalm, and that's where a lot of people hear it. It's really a psalm that is at the core of David's life. It's at the center of his story. And so David's story is that he goes from being this sort of uh, youngest son that is forgotten really by his dad. He's just a shepherd boy who's out working in the backyard. To be an anointed king, but having to run from his life, for his life from King Saul, who was very threatened by his presence, to actually finding himself as king, like in the center of the whole of God's plan, the fulfillment of his promises to Abraham. And David gets to kind of experience what it's like to be at the pinnacle of that. So he's gone from sort of a nobody to a villain to having everything he could ever want because he's king. And yet the thing that he kept coming back to, I think what centered him in his life for all of his faults and all of his good parts was the idea that's shared in this psalm here. And it's that at the center of our life, what is our hope if it's not that God is with us and cares for us? And so he starts off the psalm with this verse. It says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, or I lack nothing in the NIV. Most of us know it as I shall not want. And if you think about it from this perspective, it's a crazy statement. Like, could you say that there's nothing that you want? There's nothing that you lack. I think in a culture like ours that is a culture of abundance, there's all kinds of stuff. Most every one of us thinks there's something we lack. The only time I could think that I say, no, I don't want anything is when my mom asked me, like, what do you want for Christmas? And now I'm in my 40s, so it's like, I'm not going to make a list and, like, circle things in the catalog. So I'm like, you know, I, I love socks. I love them. Uh, just keep those coming every year. So what would have to happen in your life to be able to say, there's nothing that I want? There's nothing that I lack. There's nothing that I lack. There's nothing that I want. 
that at the core there's something there that you realize, like, I have everything. Now, there's a whole bunch of different things that you might answer to that. If I had X amount of dollars, right, then I could say, no, I'm good. If I had this kind of marriage, if I had this kind of health, what is it that you would say, how would you fill in the blank, that because I have this, I don't lack anything? For David, it was being able to say that I have God as my shepherd. When I first read this psalm, I was like 18 years old. I had just become a follower of Jesus. And people kind of told me that when I put my faith in Christ, when I trusted Christ, everything would go smoothly and be great. It actually went the opposite way, and life started falling apart. And I'm 18, so I'm dramatic about everything. And I go, and I meet with the pastor of the church. I've never done anything like this before. He's in his 70s. And I'm sitting there and I'm just, I'm rolling out all the problems. These friends leave me. I don't know anybody. My life's falling apart. And he turns to this psalm and he reads it. And I listen to it like I care. But I don't. I'm sort of like, "Uh uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. And then he hands me this picture book, like a coffee table book, of all these pictures of creation and fields and sheep and, uh, it's like that thick. And he says, I just want you to take this home. And, and all through it, this, this psalm is quoted. And I just want you to meditate on it. So I literally carry this giant coffee table book out. I'm like trying to be the coolest 18-year-old in the world. And I come home. And my dad is just looking at me like, what has just snapped in your head? Like I'm a partier. I used to go out all the time. Now I'm sitting there reading this giant coffee table book. <laughs> Like, full of pictures of, like, cliffs and ocean fronts and Psalm 23. And he's just like, he has lost it. Like, he's completely snapped. But it, but it was this sense that what, what this older man knew was that despite all the anxiety that, that life causes, no matter what age you are, there are threats, there is anxiety The thing that you ultimately are going to have to deal with is, do you trust that God is with you as this caring shepherd, and therefore you lack nothing, or are you going to live in frantic, anxious want? And so David in this psalm gives us five kind of reasons to see God in a new light. And if we capture that, if we would dare to trust and believe that, then just maybe we could get to that place where we say, I lack nothing. Look at verse 2. It says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me besides quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. The, the truth is, like, life is an anxious journey. And anxiety is sort of the response to the recognition that there are threats all around us all the time. 
economic threats, physical threats, whatever those kinds of things are that show up in your life that make you feel like it's just everything's not okay. And we are by nature people who are easily sort of, sort of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? We're, we're easy, easily thrown and it's easy for us to get anxious. And so what God does here is he says that I'm going to care for you despite all of the threats on this journey. David uses this picture, this illustration of a shepherd and sheep. And sheep tend to be a, a very easily sort of bothered animal. And so the shepherd's job is to, as best as he can, keep them in a place of peace. Um, because the anxiety in a sheep will cause it to stroke out. It'll cause it to miscarry. It'll cause it to have all kinds of problems. And so part of having a healthy flock is being able to lead that flock into a place of peace and care. And the ability to rest, like just ability to rest in the midst of anxious times, it requires the presence of one who is not shaken by our threats. It's not simply calming ourselves or breathing different. It's the recognition that there is one here with us who's providing care for us, who is not freaking out about all the things that threaten us. And God is the shepherd that is with us. And and what's beautiful about the shepherd is that he's not simply just concerned that we're physically safe, but he's concerned about our inner life. That what he's going after here is that there's an authentic sense of peace at the core of our heart, despite everything that surrounds us. And so being concerned with the inner life of his people, he takes us to a place where we can rest, where we can be still, where we can be refreshed. Listen to the words again. He says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me besides quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. Perhaps the hardest things for us to do because of the prone nature that we have to sort of stress out over things is rest, be still, and know that he is God and we're not. To have a a soul refreshment, not just that I'm physically refreshed, but the core of my being is soaking in love and protection and peace And all of that comes from the presence of the one who's guiding me into this place. And it's this relational care of like the tenderest kind. Because he takes note of our nature. Like he he notes that sheep freak out easily. He knows that you get stressed about certain things. He knows that anxiety creeps in in that way. And it doesn't take much to set us off. I played a joke on a friend this week and I just, I texted him, dude, why did you, why did you post that picture on Twitter? That was it. And, um, 
There wasn't a picture. But he was just immediately like, what, what picture? What picture? Who did? Because that's right. Easily within 24 to 48 hours, your career could end with the wrong picture on Twitter. And I'm a cruel, evil person. And I sometimes think of what is the funniest thing I could do right now. And at that moment, that was it. And anyways, he, he thought it was funny afterwards. But if somebody tweeted you, texted you that, you'd be like, oh my gosh, right? It doesn't take much to make you freak out. Anxiety is just right there at any moment. But God takes note of the fact that that's in us, and he provides the right type of care for his creatures, which is rest and stillness and refreshment. The second reason that David puts before us that we can trust in this God comes in the next verse. He guides me along the right paths for his namesake, even though I walk through the darkest valley. Like He's saying God leads us through every moment and every situation for his own namesake. In difficult times, It is hard to know which way to go. Many people get paralyzed when there's enough stress or enough anxiety. Which choice to make? Do we stop and roll over and die? Which sheep do? They actually, like the shepherd has to pay attention because they can roll onto their back and just die. They won't be able to get up. And we go, what a ridiculous, helpless animal. Until you just are like, I just can't do anything but watch Netflix. <laughs> that's, that's our version of being on our back like a sheep. <laughs> we call it like binge watching. It's the cool thing. But God says, no, you're about to die. <laughs> but there's only 80 more episodes of Breaking Bad. God cares that you shower and keep a job and a wife and those sorts of things. <laughs> so, so he says, in the midst of this, um, he's here with us, guiding us. Not, not letting us be paralyzed in that place. But he has a vested, vested interest, not just in like, man, you're a dumb sheep. But like, he puts his name on us. That he guides us for his namesake. That he has a vested interest in our well-being and the success that we're going to get through life and that we're going to flourish in life comes not because we have some innate sense of successfulness. It comes from his faithfulness to put his name on you and claim you as his. And when you bear that name... He says, my name's at stake in carrying you through. Because if I don't fulfill this, then I'm, I'm not the good shepherd. That creates an enormous amount of peace for us. No matter what is rolling through our life at any moment, we have a guide who has come alongside of us, put his name on us and says, I am going to take you through this journey. That journey, which includes 
this valley, this darkest valley. Most of us know this part of the psalm as the valley of the shadow of death. That there are perilous places in this journey. There are places where there is no light. There's no sustenance. But we have a God who who takes us through them. And that's an operative word here. He doesn't just take us into those valleys and then leave and go, hey, let's see what you learn. But it says he'll take us through this valley. I think for most of us, when we find ourselves in the dark moments, we really do believe that God just led us into this place and now he left us here. And we're supposed to figure it out on ourselves. But David is saying that this God leads us through every moment, through every situation for his namesake so that even in that space of loss and pain and grief, he's saying, I'm going to walk with you through this. You are going to come out of this. You can trust me. Not only do I care, not only will I lead you beside still waters, but I have put my name on you. My reputation is at stake. I am God. I will get you through. Then he says, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. God's presence is our protection and comfort to bring us peace. And what we need most of all, the thing we lack most of all, is peace. That in the midst of a world where there's lots of threats, then there's lots of stress, lots of anxiety. The question is, how will we ever get peace? And what brings us peace is his protection and his comfort. And so he says, I will fear no evil. And the courage to live without fear is knowing that the presence of God is in our midst. We often think of courage as something that we've got to dig down deep and have, that we just have to step into it and try harder. And there is a sense that we're involved here, but what we're involved in is believing something. Believing that God is in our midst. And that he comes with a rod and a staff to protect us and correct us. And when those two things are there, that there's protection from the evil that comes at us, but there's also correction that, that of the evil within me, then I, can, then I can really feel peace. He comes with this rod and staff to protect us. He says, you don't have to fear evil even though it's always a present threat because I'm here to take care of it. We all like that part. We're like, that's awesome. Well, the part we don't like is correction. So sheep often have to be kind of prodded and poked and, and helped to stay in the fold, in the flock, and with the shepherd. The correction allows you not to fear the evil that's within us that's a present threat that would cause us to stray, cause us to leave the shepherd, cause us to fend for ourselves in a world that God knows we will perish in. 
And so the illustration of sheep is really applicable. And, and you hear this throughout the narrative of Scripture, that the shepherd goes after the one that was lost and leaves the 99 behind. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. It's this idea that says, man, there's green pastures over there. It's much better over there. I only got this one sheep life. I really want to get this thing right. So I'm bailing on this whole flock thing, and I'm going to go do my own deal. And it's that correction that comes in and says, actually, you're going to die. Actually, you're not going to be safe. Actually, you're going to be unprotected. Actually, you're going to be living a complete life of want because you're going to lack everything. So in his love, in his grace, in the goodness of how he shepherds us, he corrects us. And this protection and correction create the environment where we could say, I will, I will fear no evil. He is with me. God is in my midst. God is protecting and correcting the evil that exists in the world and in me. He's providing a safe environment where I can actually say, I have peace because God is here. Look at verse five. It says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. So the other thing David points out here is he says, God's abundance provides for us and it heals us in times of need. The idea of sitting down to eat while surrounded by your enemies is weird. Like if somebody breaks into your house and they're like gonna rob you and you decide to make a meal, and set the table, like your kids would be like, Dad, I don't think you know who's here, right? This is not uh, the time for that. When there's threats all around you, the reality is that God is here offering peace, not because of the lack of threats, but because there is one here who cares for us. And if we are under God's care, then there's this, there's this total counterintuitive sense that while the world may be frantic, we are a people who get to sit down with God and feast. That the world may scream scarcity and fend for yourself, but we get to sit down at a table and say, no, God, God is a God of abundance. And he prepares this table even while enemies are present. And it's our gift to just simply receive it, to sit, to enjoy his provision. And the provision is not just material things. It's also a healing that is desperately needed because on this journey of life, there's a lot of brokenness and a lot of pain and a lot of loss. And this provision that he says, he anoints my head with oil, that he's protecting us, that he's healing us, go hand in hand, that this is a God who has abundance and he provides and a God who heals. And when we as the people of God 
can really trust that and really believe that. It sets us free. It's right here at the core that we would begin to look back to verse 1 and confess with David that because God is my shepherd, I lack nothing. See, if God sets the table and he's the one that has abundance, then it sets us free from greed because much of our greed comes from thinking we are uncared for, that we must contend with our enemies around us to get what we need and for our well-being. Much of our brokenness comes because we're hurt and we hurt ourselves and we hurt those around us because we believe there is no healing for what is most wrong with us at the core of who we are. And we're left to heal ourselves, which is impossible. But the shepherd creates a vision for us, for his people, that we would be a people who live in a world where there is enough for everyone at this table. And healing oil abounds in plenty. And we are free to give generously of ourselves, of our possessions, of our time, because we're no longer under the thumb of scarcity and death. That is a profound moment when the people of God are unhooked by that reality. That we live in a world where there is enough for everyone. At the table that God creates, there is abundance And that in that abundance, there is plenty to give of ourselves and to receive for ourselves. And there is plenty of healing for the world. And we are free to be radically those kind of people because we're no longer under the thumb of scarcity and death. And when you capture that, you sing with the psalmist, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And there are all kinds of threats to that. And, you know, as Luke talked about the budget, I can't remember a year where we sat back and said, look, we got way too much money. Please quit giving. You know, it's just the nature of, of being, doing life together and being on mission together. But there is a place where we have to come to the reality that it is God who sets the table, God who gives abundance. And as we understand that as a community, then we're free to give our lives away to exist for this city and to exist for the world. And when we get that personally, we're free to give, not because God says, hey, I want you to be a generous people because there's budgets. Like, that's weird. But he says, I want you to be a generous people because generous people, when you actually open your hands and you give, what you're doing is an act of faith that says, I trust that there's enough. That I don't live in a world of scarcity. I don't have a God of scarcity. That there's enough to give away. There's abundance for everyone. And as we collectively grow in what it means to believe this, then we collectively have more of ourselves and our time and our money to give to the kingdom. And so it really is this invitation to believe 
that he prepares a table before us in the presence of our enemies. He anoints our head with oil and our cups overflow. Verse 6. He says, surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Like the last thing that he points to that gives him pause and reason to sing, uh, the Lord is my shepherd, I will not want, is he says, this is a God of covenant and faithfulness, that his goodness is just part of the overflowingness of his character, the goodness of creation, the goodness of your existence, all of that comes from a God who has promised to live in relationship with us. And that the God who promised that is also a faithful God who will carry us through this journey and bring us home. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And then I'll dwell in the house of the Lord Forever, There isn't a downside here. That if you have this God, you have everything. And if we trust that, then we can look forward with hope. And we can look backwards and testify. Yeah, he has been with me. He has brought me here. Surely goodness... And love is going to follow me for the rest of the journey. That ends with this statement of hope. Because God is a God of covenant and a God of faithfulness. So there's this sense that this entire psalm is that they're, the, the people of God, that you and I, we should be able to live with this calm assurance in the midst of our world, in our situation. Well, we should be able to live with this abiding trust, even though we're alert to the reality of things that threaten that and cause stress and anxiety. But all those things, we are confident that God keeps them in check. Whether it's budget or health crisis or broken relationships. So this poem is a statement that says, this is how God actually functions in the life of his people. This is how God interacts with us. It's this kind of faith, understanding that this is who God is, that allows Paul to say, hey man, if God, he doesn't say, hey man, sorry. <laughs> if God is for us, who can be against us? The Psalm 23 really connects in, in, in a certain way the whole narrative of what God's getting at in Scripture. Because as David paints this picture of a God who is shepherd to us and a people who rest underneath his care and declare, I lack nothing. He later goes on in Ezekiel, and God recognizes that the people that have been charged to care for Israel haven't been doing it. And he says this. This is after David is gone. He says, I myself will tend my sheep 
and have them lie down, declares the sovereign Lord. I will search for the lost and bring back the strays. I will bind up the injured and strengthen the weak, but the sleek and the strong I will destroy. I will shepherd the flock with justice. And I will place over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he will tend them. He will tend them and be their shepherd. I, the Lord, will be their God, and my servant David will be prince among them. I, the Lord, have spoken. And so he, he, he points to the future. And he says, there will be one who comes as David who will be this shepherd, who will care for you in this way. And then Jesus shows up. In John chapter 10, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. That's a crazy statement. That he knows you with the same intimate love, tenderness, care that the Father knows him and he knows the Father. And he says, and I lay down my life for the sheep. See, this good shepherd gives up everything so that you and I can have it. That we could say, Jesus is my shepherd, and therefore I have everything. There's abundance of grace, an abundance of mercy, abundance of healing. There is enough bread to go around. And so that Jesus sets this table for you in the presence of your enemies. And for 2,000 years, there's been enough bread and enough wine and enough mercy for the sins of the world to be dropped at the foot of the cross. And today, you're invited to come and dare to trust that Jesus is your shepherd and that you can live a life where you will not want where you lack nothing. And if we trust that, then we are unchained, unhooked. We're free. God left home literally to walk with us on this journey of life as our shepherd so that we could experience his love and be able to receive him and be able to confess and sing with David I shall not want I lack nothing let's pray God we come to you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and this morning God I just pray that by your spirit you would Give us the faith to trust that you are our shepherd, Jesus, and that you give us everything we need. And that as we come to this table, we would receive your care, your healing, your protection, your correction, your abundance.
your healing, your love. We would receive you. And as we receive you, we would confess and sing with David that we lack nothing. We pray this all in the name of our good shepherd, Jesus Christ. Amen. We pray that God will use this message to strengthen your faith and draw you into a deeper relationship with himself. If you are interested in hearing other sermons or want more information about the church, please visit our website at www.imagodaycommunity.com.